a little bit about an area that we need your help. Anybody here like to help other people? Yeah? All right, good. Those five of you that raised your hand, I really appreciate that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so on a, on a typical Sunday, I would say look around, and I'll tell you look around as well today, although today I think with the start of vacation week, we're a little lighter here in the congregation. But typically what happens on a Sunday, we had someone come a couple weeks ago. They walked in and saw this entire area full, no seats, and you know what? They walked out. And when I heard that in staff on Tuesday, I was like, oh, no. So here's my request for the people that sit over here. If you get here, now, if you've got little kids, the cry room is there. Stay there. I'm not talking, I'm not talking if you've got little kids. Or if you come here late, I understand. But if you get here and you're here in plenty of time, would you mind sitting over here? Because it just allows more <laughs> seats for people when they come in and the service is started. They don't feel uncomfortable trying to find a seat. So that's one request. Second request, and I say this because I think there's times where we do announcements at 930. That's how we start our service. How many of you heard announcements? No, don't raise your hand because then the people that didn't hear announcements are going to be like, oh, no, he's talking about me. Um, hey, one of the announcements is God is causing growth to come. And our parking lot fills up before our sanctuary fills up. So there's an amazing thing that's called Jake's Bike Shop just down the road from Shiloh across from Ollie's. And there's 30 spots there that the owner has said, hey, I'm closed on a Sunday. You can park here. So if any of you are able, and again, if you've got little kids, I'm not talking to you. But if any of you are able, if you're in a wheelchair, if you're you know, disabled, no. I want you to park as close as you can to here. But if you can park at Jake's, Please let us know, Billy at shilohcommunity.church. Billy spelled B-I-L-L-I-E. Let her know. She'll put you on our list, and we're trying to fill all 30 spots. We right now have about 15 filled. So that would be a blessing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right? So that's my, my uh, call for help. So this morning, Jesus is calling, and he wants to know, are you going to park at Jake's? No, actually, that's the title of my message, <laughs> that Jesus is calling. It's got nothing to do with Jake's, but maybe he's asking you that question. I don't know. Maybe he's asking you, would you be comfortable? You know, look, look over here in the front row. See how that front row is all empty? It takes a bold person like you guys to sit in the front row. But just think if you came and sat in that front row, then maybe other people would sit in this front row, right? So, all right, Jesus is calling. What is, are we listening? Are we open to what he wants to do? Yeah, Father, we, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we want to we wanna listen for what your spirit is saying, God. We, we know that, Jesus, you're calling us. And I think of that song, Amazing Grace. Lord, you're here with your grace this morning, God. So, God, we open up our hearts, we open up our ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord is going to tell us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, this morning we're going to be talking about the story of Zacchaeus. Ashley McWilliams, if you'd make your way up here. So how many of you have ever heard of the story of Zacchaeus before? You can raise your hands for this one, right? This is a, a story where if you've ever been in Sunday school, um, you've probably heard this story before. right? But we're going to take it verse by verse, but I thought I'd just invite Ashley. Does everybody know Ashley McWilliams? Yes? Nice. I recruited her earlier this week. Thank you, Ashley. Um, because you know what, I think sometimes we get tired of hearing my voice or other people's voice. So I, like, you're going to hear a different voice. So we're not going to put the words on the screen right now. We'll talk about them in a minute. But just listen to the story of Zacchaeus and open up your hearts and say, God, would you speak to me? All right, take it away, Ashley. Yeah, that's the mic. Sorry. It's on. 
Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to his home today, for this man has shown him. Sorry, uh, let's start that again. Salvation has come to this home today, for the man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Ashley. Thank you, Ashley. Truth in advertising, I think I asked four people before I got a yes from Ashley. So I appreciate her coming up and saying yes to that. That was wonderful. So we're going to take a look at this, at these verses again, because I, I believe that Jesus is calling us, just like he called Zacchaeus. And he's got something for each one of us. So this is how it started. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Where was Jesus on his way to? Anybody know? Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. This was right before he was going, entering to Jerusalem to Palm Sunday and everybody saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to him. This is his last stop before Jerusalem, his last stop before the crucifixion. And he picks Jericho. I I think he had intention to stop here because he knew about, he knew a person that was going to be there. Luke tells us his name. He says there was a man named Zacchaeus, but later we're going to find that Jesus didn't know Zacchaeus' name. There was no way he could know his name except that it would be his father and the Holy Spirit that would tell him who Zacchaeus was. So Jesus is entering Jericho. There's a lot of momentum in his ministry. He had just come from healing a blind man. There's so many things that have happened in his ministry that the crowds now are growing. Wherever Jesus is, there's a crowd. And he comes to Jericho. There's a man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector in the region. He had become very rich. So in that day, it was the Roman Empire that ruled. And who were they ruling? They were ruling the Jewish people. And these kind of in-between people were the Jewish tax collectors that collected tax for the Roman Empire. But the thing is, no one wanted to be a tax collector because you're working for the Romans, like you're working for the enemy. It's as if, you know, you're Ukrainian and you're working for the Russian government. Like, no, you don't do that. We're at war with this nation. But not only would these Jewish people collect taxes from their peers, they were crooks. They were taking more than what was necessary. They They were taking your honest earned money and using it to line their own pockets and then giving Rome what Rome needed. But they were collecting more and they had the power to do so. So not only was he the chief tax collector, he was probably the chief trader. He, he had probably, you know, used someone in your family or maybe, maybe you personally suffered harm because of, Zac, uh, of Zacchaeus or of a tax collector. As a tax collector, he was excluded from the synagogue. Like he had turned his, his face from faith. He was no longer welcome to come and to worship with them. 
So they were like an island to themselves. They were, they were very uh, despicable people, uh, but very full of themselves. So the story goes on in verse 3. Zacchaeus tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was what? He was too short to see over the crowd. So not only was he a notorious crook, he was a short notorious crook, right? He, he just, he couldn't even see over the crowd. So he runs ahead and he climbs a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Now, I don't know, have any of you ever been to one of the many parades we've enjoyed down in Boston when our sports teams do well? Right, you know how they have the duck boat uh, tours after that? I've, I've been fortunate with my kids to go down to a couple of them. And, you know, you've got to be there really early when that crowd is going to come if you want to get a, a, a standing position against the rope, right? And, and as the parade comes, we've gotten there, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half early at times, and we've been right along the rope where the duck boats are going to come. And, you know, minutes before the duck boats come, it's probably 20 people deep. What are the odds? of someone like making their way through and getting to the front. There's absolutely no way anybody's going to do that unless you're like, hey, that guy's saving me a seat. Maybe, I don't know if that's possible, but would you ever let a notorious sinner, right? I mean, everyone knows who Zacchaeus is. Would you ever let a guy like that come to the front because he's short? Nope, no way. So Zacchaeus does what, what typically rich people don't do. He kind of makes a fool of himself. I'm imagining he's in his finest clothes because that's, I mean, he's rich, right? So he's wearing a nice suit or a nice robe and he climbs a tree so that he can get a look at Jesus. Not a very, you know, not typically what a rich person would do, but there was an interest that he had in seeing Jesus that day and that was the only way he was going to see him. So Jesus comes by and he looks up in the tree and he calls Zacchaeus by name. Like, just imagine that for a minute. You're Zacchaeus, you're curious, you're trying to get a look at Jesus. And now all of a sudden, Jesus, as he so often does, he turns the tables. He just switches the paradigm. And instead of you trying to get a look at Jesus, Jesus is looking at you. And not only is he looking at you, he's calling you by name. Right? He's calling you by name and saying, Zacchaeus. I'm sure he's like, what? You're talking to me? Like, how do you know my name? Jesus knew his name. And Jesus is looking right at him and he's saying, Zacchaeus, you come down right now. I want to be a guest at your house today. You know, and, and as I think about Jesus looking at Zacchaeus, like how powerful is that? Zacchaeus is alone in a crowd. He is, there's, there's so many people in, in, this, in this town, looking at Jesus, Zacchaeus is alone amongst all of them. He doesn't have a friend in the world. And, and it's, it's the bed that he's made for himself to lie in, right? There's no one else that he can say, this is, this is what's been happening to me. He did it to himself. But he's still in this very alone place. He, he's in a, in a place that he deserves to be alone. But Jesus decides that day to come to that town to look up in the tree of that man... And say, Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house today. So how do the people respond to this? Like, all right, guys, just put yourself in this situation, right? The people were displeased. Yeah, I, I would believe they'd be displeased. He's gone to the home. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. So let's think about some notorious sinners that have been in the news. I'll give you a name that comes to mind. Uh, not too long ago, I heard the name Nick Fuentes. Anybody know who Nick Fuentes is? 
He's a white supremacist. He's an anti-Semitic. He's a bad dude. Right? Suppose Nick came to Manchester and I, and I go into a bar and I see Nick and I'm like, Nick, you know what? I must go to your home today. But it's not in a bar. It's in a church. And it's in a, and it's in a church filled with people that are like, Greg, why would you ever invite Nick Fuentes and you would go to his home? Like, you can't associate with people. Just being with them is condoning what they're doing. Like, he's a, he's a white supremacist. He's a, he's a racist. You can't spend time with a person like that. I'm sure they were thinking all those thoughts and more when Jesus picks the worst person that he could pick of the town. It's like I walk up to Nick Fuentes and say, Nick, I've got to go to your house today. No, Jesus, you can't do this. They're grumbling. So what's Jesus' response? And this is the story that's not told between verses 7 and 8. So we kind of have to ad lib a little bit. I think it's okay to do this because we're putting ourselves into the picture to try to understand what's going on. So there's certain things that are not said. But I think there's, there's, they're speaking very loudly because they're not said. What was Zacchaeus' house like? Right, Zacchaeus is going, if I'm going to go to Nick Fuente's house, the guy's rich. Right, if I'm going to Zacchaeus' house, he's a rich chief tax collector, not just a peon tax collector. He's probably raking it in from all of his other tax collectors and, and getting a piece of their, of their take. So I'm sure he's got a beautiful home. I'm sure he has filled it with beautiful things. Doesn't make any mention of Jesus going, oh, Nick, where'd you get this thing from? Wow, was this on the backs of your friends and your you know, fellow Jews? There's nothing mentioned that Jesus mentions anything about his home or his wealth or his possessions. Have you ever been to a beautiful home? Usually there's a story about every artifact that has been bought. Like, oh, this I got when I was in Rome or this I got when I was in Spain. And, and I'm sure Zacchaeus could have shared all those things about all the things he had in his house. Nothing mentioned. What did Jesus do at dinner? Right? What was, what was served? Nothing mentioned. I'll tell you, my first fear, if Jesus was going to come to my house and I wasn't prepared for it, it's like, oh my gosh, did I leave it clean? Like, did I clean the bathroom? Are, are, there, are there beer bottles out on the coffee table? Like, what is it going to look like when Jesus comes to my house? Unannounced, Jesus just comes to Zacchaeus' house, but it's, it's that day, that moment, that man that Jesus has come to see. So Zacchaeus stands before the Lord at lunch, and he says, I'll give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And I've, if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. And Jesus responds, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Isn't this amazing? What, what happened with Zacchaeus, see, Jesus came and he loves Zacchaeus unconditionally. Right? There's probably things that Jesus could have said, hey, Zacchaeus, you should do this or you must do that. Jesus didn't come with, with shoulds and coulds and musts. He didn't come with shame. He didn't come with, you know, what a coulda, shoulda, Zacchaeus, that you got in this situation. You made your bed. You got to lie in it. Jesus didn't come with any of that. Jesus could have come and said, Zacchaeus, you are the unworthiest, the biggest sinner of the city. Did he say it? No, not written. Jesus just loved Zacchaeus for who he was. He loved him in an unconditional love, like he loves all of us here today. But you know, there's some of us here today that maybe you've received God's love or, or maybe you're still struggling with, God, can I, I'm not worthy of your love. And you know, there's truth 
to when the enemy comes and says, we're not worthy. We're not. None of us are worthy of his love, right? None of us. That's, that's what amazing grace is. That it is amazing and it's grace because it's nothing that we deserve. We're not worthy of his love. But the enemy goes a little further. He, he gives us the truth we're not worthy. And then he starts to put shame and condemnation on us and tell us how unworthy we are. See, Jesus never did that. Jesus went right to Zacchaeus and he loved him unconditionally. He didn't put shame on him. He didn't put condemnation. He just loved him and said, Zacchaeus, I got to come to your house today. And now in this interchange, we find they're at this lunch. Zacchaeus has probably pulled out all the stops. He's serving everything. See, Zacchaeus had built his life. He had riches. He had wealth. He had everything he wanted. But all of a sudden, in the middle of lunch, he's recognizing what little value all those possessions have. What, you know, the taste of this rich food, it, it pales in comparison to this man and these disciples that are seated at his table. And the relationship that that man, when he looks at him, he looks at him with such love in his eyes and such acceptance that Zacchaeus is undone. He's undone and, and now he has a spontaneous moment. I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor Lord. He calls him Lord. That's a very significant word, right? You know, you don't call someone Lord when you're trying to be the powerful one and you're coming to them. You call him Lord when you're willing to say, Lord, when you're willing to bow in Zacchaeus recognizes the lordship of Jesus in his life. And I'd say he gets saved. He has that moment. That's the power of the gospel, right? That's what happens when Jesus looks at each one of us and he says, look, while you may feel unseen today, Jesus had you come to this church for this moment to hear this message, to hear that he's calling your name and he loves you. Doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done. He's not coming with shame and condemnation. He's saying, I love you. And when you look into his eyes and you encounter his love, oh, like you're undone. You're just undone. Jesus, wow. So he doesn't come to impose shame. He comes to rescue us from our shame. Jesus entered Zacchaeus' house to demonstrate his love for him. And in doing so, he rescues him not only from his shame, but from his cycle of shame. Have you ever been in a cycle of shame? I'm not going to do that again. Oh, I did it again. I'm not going to do it again. No, I did it again. And you're in this vicious cycle. And Jesus came and just, he broke it. He broke the cycle where Zacchaeus maybe said, how, how can I get out of being a tax collector? Oh, I'm not, I'm not, no, I, I like the riches too much. I can't get, you know, and I'm sure Zacchaeus had this cycle and Jesus came and he just broke it. It's powerful when Jesus comes and he breaks the cycle of sin and shame in our lives. Some of us, I think, have grown up with negative things said about us, right? And maybe we've lived up to the negative expectations and even surpassed them negatively, Right? And, and we're not proud of the things we've done. Jesus comes and he breaks the cycle of sin. He breaks the cycle of shame in our lives. So the question is, can we receive it? If Jesus is calling us, can we, can we receive it? Can we answer the phone this morning and say, yeah, Jesus, I need you. I, I, I want what you have, Jesus. I want that peace. I want the love that you have. And then Jesus says this to him, the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. And this is where we're going to stop it. It goes further, but this is where we're going to stop this morning because this is the message of the gospel. I think it sums up the whole story of why Jesus made this stop in Jericho. Last person he ministers to on earth, unless you count the servants here that got you know, sliced off by his disciples in, in the garden of, uh, of Gethsemane. 
This is the last person he ministers to, but he wants to make it clear that, hey, this is just representative of all mankind. He comes to seek and to save the lost. And that's what God's heart is for all of us. It tells us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So Jesus is calling this morning. And maybe there's some of us like Zacchaeus, we're feeling alone, even though we're in a crowd, right? We're feeling alone, even though, even though we're in the midst of a lot of people. So even though we're not in church, I don't want to make any assumptions. Just like if I slept overnight in my garage, it doesn't make me a car. I'm not going to make an assumption that there's someone here in a church and you believe in Jesus. I'm not going to make that assumption. You know, maybe you're here this morning. You don't know why, how you got here today or why you're here. Or maybe you've been here week after week after week, but something is causing your heart just to beat out of its chest, out of your chest. And you're like, God, I think Jesus is calling me. Like, I don't know what to do. Jesus sees you today. He sees you. He loves you. And I think there's a moment for each of us to have. That moment like Zacchaeus was at the table where all of a sudden he goes, Lord. There's that moment that we all come to him and call him Lord. And maybe you've never had that moment or maybe you've, you've called him Lord in the past and now you've walked away from him and you're like, you know what? Ah. Oh. Why do I do that? There's this cycle that I go through. I'm close to God, and then I walk away from God, and I'm close to God. Jesus comes, and when he comes and he shows us his love, he can break the cycle. You don't have to keep walking away from God. The way to Jesus is this, the way back to Jesus is the same way when we come to Jesus. So if you're here today and that represents you, in a minute I'm going to pray with you, but I want to talk to, to the people that that doesn't represent for a minute. Maybe you're here today, you believe in Jesus, you love Jesus with your heart, you call him Lord, you recognize him as your Lord. Jesus' heart is to seek and save those who are lost. Right? What about you and me? If we believe in Jesus, are we willing to seek and save those who are lost and join Jesus in his mission? Or you know what? Hey, it's a pretty comfortable life where I live. You know, I don't, I don't really need to be out there at night ministering to people. And, you know, I, they, they live in dark, lonely places. I don't want to go there. I want to stay with my friends. Right? Jesus went that day to seek the worst sinner possible. And that man got redeemed. That man got saved. What, what would it look like on our heart? You just be like, God, no, I, I'm not going to go to the chief tax collector. Lord, you don't know my neighbor. I can't minister to that man. He's, he, he's just an evil man. Yeah, maybe Jesus, who else would minister to a person like that? Maybe Jesus is calling you and I to minister to some of the unlovely. Maybe it's even the people that, are, that, that you just call your friends at work, but you've never shared the life and the gospel of Jesus with them. Right, I'd like to talk about two powerful ways for a minute that we could come alongside Jesus very practically in, in the mission to share the gospel. And this one happened to me the other week. I was, I was at a pastor's meeting. We were talking, and, and one of the guys mentioned this website. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it was called Bless Every Home. Right, BlessEveryHome.com. Maybe you can write it down, remember it, put it in your phone. But I, I went on that website, and, and you just create a free account, and you put in your address, and it, it gives you a map of your neighborhood. And it tells you, okay, this is where you are. Now for today, would you pray for these five neighbors? And if you go to the map view and you click on those little heads there, it tells you the people's names. 
And it's like, wow, this is awesome. I can pray for my neighbors by name. You know, so every day this week I get an email in my inbox that says, hey, would you pray for your neighbors? And I open up the map and it's a different five neighbors that I'm praying for. It gives me a small prayer point. And it's a very practical way I can start to say, God, give me a love for my neighbors. Give me a love for the people that I don't know why I'm living in the neighborhood I'm living in. I don't know why people move and people come in. But God, maybe you've ordained that I would be there and that I can be a light in my neighborhood. So every day, it's a simple prayer point. I start to pray for my neighbors. Now, if you're going to do this, I want to give you one word of advice. Like, don't be walking your dog and be that creeper. Hey, Joe, and you've never met Joe. And you're like, I've, I know your name. I've been praying for you. All right, people, that's the way to be weird. All right? Don't be weird. Don't be weird. But you can just say, hey, man, what's your name? My name's Greg. Oh, my name's Joe. Joe, wonderful. I, you know, we've been in this neighborhood so long, I've never gotten to know you before. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, don't be weird. Don't be creepy. But pray for your neighbors. You'll get to know their names. You know, so here's something Meg and I have done. For the past couple of years, we have a, a Christmas time um, sleigh ride in our neighborhood. We live on a big circle. There's like 100 homes uh, in the circle. And we've invited all of our neighbors, hey, come, we're going to give you 20-minute slots. Families can get on this wagon. It's, it's Nate Wheeler's tree farm wagon that he comes with his tractor and pulls it. We've got, you know, little fires on, on the, uh, the driveway, and people bring hot chocolate and snacks. And the whole neighborhood, or a lot of the neighborhood, we probably had more than 100 people this past winter, comes out. You know what? I, I meet them, and then I forget them. But now I'm starting to learn their names that next year, wow, Greg, you've got a great memory. I'm not going to tell them that I've been using this app, right? But they're going to be like, wow, you remember my name? That's amazing. I met you last year, you know. Maybe I've got to get a dog and start walking around my neighborhood with a dog. There's a lot of dog walkers. I'm not one of them. But, um, so that's one way, one practical way. Another practical way that we can love our neighbor and, and we can love that person that, that might be a Zacchaeus that Jesus wants to meet that day is right here at church. And you'd be like, what? Right here at church? Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to share something real quick. It's a short video on volunteering. Let's take a look at this. And props to, to motion worship. a stranger and you invited me in I was sick and you looked after me I needed a teacher and you inspired me I was lost and you prayed for me I was addicted, and you helped me break free. I needed a mentor, and you were there for me. I felt alone, and you showed me true community. You helped me experience the joy of worship. You made me feel welcome and safe you gave me the strength to keep going you led me to Jesus 
Next Sunday, we're going to be having a ministry fair right after church. It's Family Sunday next Sunday, so we have a, a nice meal that's being prepared. Like, who prepared that meal? Who greets you on the way in? Who, who puts the signs out in the parking lot, right? Those are all volunteers that do that. And there's an opportunity for each of us every Sunday, like how could we all get involved? Because we never know if we greet someone on the way in, they could, that could be showing them the love of Jesus in such a way that it starts touching their heart and starts opening them up to the, to the gospel. If, if we serve a meal downstairs after church on Sunday, maybe they come down and, and a conversation can get started, right? There's so many opportunities that we have. What about in the children's ministry, right? The opportunity to minister and show love to our kids and teach them about the Bible, teach them uh, Bible stories, pray with them, praying here after service with people, doing the, the uh, computer, doing the video, right? There's so many opportunities to serve. Come next week, right? Uh, as you walk down to the cafe, there's going to be different tables of, hey, here's the ministry needs. Maybe you're doing one thing and you could do more than one thing. Maybe you're doing nothing and you want to pick one thing. It doesn't matter where you're at, but like, let's listen. God, is, is there a way that I can come alongside what you're doing in this? So Jesus is calling. Would we pray for our neighbors, would we pray for, for God to move in our lives so that we could minister and show love to people that maybe no one else is going to show love to? Jesus came that moment to Jericho. It was maybe an unlikely stop. I mean, I'm sure he's thinking of Jerusalem and he's thinking, hey, this is where I'm going. But he stopped that day to meet that man to go to his house that he would be seen, that he would, he would know true unconditional love and, and the cycle of, of sin and shame would be broken in his life. So together, we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. Together, we can love people like Jesus loves them. And as Shiloh grows, like we need more of us to get involved in the work. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? But now I want to go back to what I said earlier before I talked about the two practical ways. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never looked into the eyes of Jesus before. You've never met his gaze and felt known by him like Zacchaeus felt known by him that day when Jesus called him out and said, I got to go to your house. You know what? Jesus wants to go to your house today. He wants to meet with you personally. He wants to show you love in such a way that you've never experienced that love before. The question is, he's calling, will you answer? Will you say, yeah, Jesus, come to my house. Jesus, I'm going to open up the, 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 the door to my home, the door to my heart, and I'm going to invite you in. Right? That's, that's a message that Jesus offers to all of us, that he wants to come to your house today. So if you've never had that moment at the table like Zacchaeus had where you've said, yes, you've called Jesus Lord, would you come and pray with us after service? I, I'll be up here. Ed's going to be up here. I invite you to come down and pray. And here's why. Because you know what? Serving God and getting to know God. Oops. Sorry for making a noise. It's the beginning of a re relationship. And I have a book I want to give you called Living in Christ. So if you've never prayed to receive Jesus, come, come up after service. I want to pray with you. Let's all pray together now. Father God, I thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit today. I thank you, Lord, that you're calling, Lord, on us to, to, to make that decision to say yes to you, to look into your eyes and say, sure, come to my house today. Jesus, you love us all unconditionally. Lord, you came to break the cycle of sin and shame in each of our lives. And Lord, whether we're coming to you the first time or, or we're coming back to you, it is the same way. We open up our hearts to you, God. 
and we call you Lord. And, and Father, I pray for each of us that already call you Lord. Lord, thank you that there's a way that we can start to pray for our neighbors. Lord, we can start to, to minister as you've called us to, to, to minister by praying for them and loving them. Lord, even here at church, give us the opportunity to volunteer. Show us what's the right fit. So we trust you in all these things, God. We, we worship you in all these things, and we thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. If you want prayer, come forward. Grow Track is going to start in about 10 minutes downstairs. Thanks.